Hello everyone, welcome back to Tales of Recovery. Today we have the beautiful Sochil Ashe, a fifth generation plant medicine woman who leads mushroom retreats in Mexico and works at an indigenous woman-owned center and ancestral healing and so much more. And thank you so much, Sochil, for being uh, willing to come and share your wisdom and your love with us here in Tales of Recovery. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Gris, for reaching out. Oh, no, this is so exciting. Um, I would love for, uh, to start, if you could just tell us kind of how, I mean, I read on your on your, on your your webpage that you were initiated at 16 years old, and I have a lot of, I have a lot of clients that bring me their teenagers um, mm-hmm. to work in recovery and to help them, and mm-hmm. I see so the need, and I, when I read that, I thought, no, we need to talk to Sochi, uh, because <laughs> us women, you know, we're, we're getting, I think there's a lot of us seeking healing and seeking recovery and seeking a, a more of a wholeness and integrated life, earth-based life, but the teenagers. So anyway, that being said, we can talk about that as well. But if you would like to just let us know kind of how, where you're from, where you're situated and how you got into um, this beautiful work that you're doing. Yeah, of course. Um Well, my journey really began at birth. I was born into a family. um, So I'm the fifth generation of of a family of um, what we would call like curanderos uh, from Peru. And um, while they were all male um, who would work with the public, um, I have to say that, you know, even though they were all curanderos, um, you know, my grandma was incredible with herbs. And I emphasize that I am the first female of the lineage because even though there were other females in my lineage, they weren't recognized. Um, you know, and I think that that happens a lot in, in Latin America, that there's a lot of medicine women that aren't recognized because they're not out in, in dealing with the public, but they know all the yerbas and all the different rituals and ceremonies, but they're using them for their families and their little community. So it was important for me to emphasize that, you know, I am fifth generation, but I am the first woman because it's important nowadays to really be open about being a carrier of this wisdom, especially because for so long, um, you know, my family wasn't open. It was dangerous. You know, nowadays, mm. it's like we have those, inst- what we call the Instagram shamans, you know. <laughs> <laughs> those folks that, like, just decide to call themselves shaman because they've been in Peru for two weeks or something like that, getting right. a training. Um, but, yeah, this, is, this was really serious work. And it's actually work that I didn't really feel that I wanted to do. And I was very blessed that even though I was initiated at 16, um, I had the freedom. My father was, um, grew up in um, a very interesting time, right? Like during the hippie movement. And he was uh, a complete and total um, hippie. So, you know, he had his indigenous traditions, but then had great respect for Eastern traditions. So, I grew up kind of a hybrid, like meditating. And, um, you know, we had like a, a picture of Krishna, right? And then Pachamama. <laughs> um, but I was also really blessed that at one and a half, um, my father decided to move us to Mexico. And so even though I was, you know, my roots are in Peru, my ancestral roots, um, Mexico is, is also a huge part of who I am. Um, because I grew up there. And um, after my initiation at 16, um, since you asked, you know, that a lot of people are are interested in, in, in guiding their children towards, you know, doing this kind of plant medicine, specifically fungi mushroom work. Um, for me, when I had my initiation at 16, um, it really was so impactful that you know, at that time, I was in San Francisco because my parents had gotten divorced and um, all of my friends were doing all different kinds of drugs. I mean, it was, you know, you could get anything. Um, 
And I remember after my initiation, just being really clear that like, I didn't want to drink. I didn't want to, I just didn't want to do anything like any, any other drug. I just, I was so in touch with my spirit and the spirit of nature that um, it was so clear how that was dragging me down. And so after that, I didn't, I didn't drink alcohol and I never really actually had a problem with alcohol until I was 23. And it was later on that, you know, um, I decided to not drink alcohol at all because of my work. Um, but yeah, this, this medicine was, you know, if we're talking about recovery was really um, powerful in that it, it gave me so much clarity at that age that it, it allowed me to make decisions that were from a place of, of really looking out for myself um, and trusting that I am being looked out from something bigger than myself, like a, a deep, deep connection to, to nature, um, animals, plants. And I think being 16, that really shifted my life uh, in, in a significant way. Um, but like I said, you know, I had the freedom. I, I was never pushed into this role of medicine person. Um, it was kind of part of our lifestyle. And it wasn't until um, I was 19 that my dad's best friend, who um, is a Masotech medicine man. So, um, you know, for the audience, the Masotech people are the people from the, the mountains of Oaxaca. And they are the, the last living indigenous community that has held the guardianship or the knowledge of ceremonial use of Donanakatl, the sacred mushroom. And so at 19, um, we did a family ceremony because these ceremonies are, are done with your family. So, you know, I was in ceremony with my father and my grandmother and my grandfather and my aunt. And um, I loved this medicine. It, it was, it was really, I felt it was really gentle to me. And um, my godfather, he right away saw that I had a, a spiritual connection, like an allyship with this medicine. And then he wanted me to start learning with him. And I, you know, and I was like, hold on, I'm only 19. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, there was never, I was just really lucky. There was never any pressure um, that I needed to be like a medicine woman and follow these traditions. Um, so because there was no pressure, I was able to live a really full life. Um, I went to um, an arts high school in San Francisco and then did some college in San Francisco and then LA. And, and it, you know, I was able to really do a lot of traveling and getting to know myself. Um, and as also like as an artist, um, I loved theater and like there was a point in my life around 26 when I realized like that my love of theater was actually because I couldn't sit in a classroom um, learning psychology but I had such a deep interest about the human condition that like learning theater and, and acting and understanding like what motivates a human to be a certain way like that was how I learned psychology that was like the beginning of of my training in psychology and after that, I was like, you know, I would, I was like hungry from, for anything that was um, personal development and being in, in Los Angeles at that age, you know, like I attended so many different workshops um, and really got to see uh, the Western approach to, I would say healing and, and the development of being. And um from there, you know, I I um I started doing I was I was always really good at business. I started doing business coaching. I st I started being a coach and it was so much fun for me. But I realized that every time I would have a client, it was always the same thing, which was that if they were having huge issues in their business, it was a disconnect with their spirit. And so that's when I decided to kind of come out of the closet as a medicine woman. And I was like, you know right. what, like this, this might not be super popular, 
Um, but like I have indigenous traditions and um, they could be applied towards folks that are in, you know, in, in the realm of entrepreneurship. And so that's when I would take my clients and I would, you know, I would maybe take four or five clients and I would bring them to Mexico and we would do ceremonies um, at that time you know, we had to be really just like underground. I would never talk about it. Um, I'm really careful, especially as a person of color, to follow the the law. Um, you know, I have yeah. a legal business. I'm, I am right now the only, I am a founder of the only indigenous woman-owned psilocybin retreat center in the world. And so, yeah. you know, I have to play by the rules. And that's why we do ceremonies in Mexico. Because in Mexico, um, while there's still some, you know, gray areas with psilocybin, as a indigenous medicine carrier of a tradition, you are allowed to, um, you know, sure. administer the medicine. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, a little bit of my journey um, of how I, I got here and I, it it was just a huge commitment to to my own growth and also people's you know like people's embodiment of their fullness um i think that that's my love language that's my passion and just realizing that um you know a lot of a lot of people in the west um were so disconnected in ways that we don't even know that we don't even um I can acknowledge like our disconnection to nature yeah. that that like has made us so sick, whether physically sick or emotionally troubled. Um, and this medicine helps you so much to not just reconnect to yourself, but reconnect to the natural world, to this being, you know, in Mexico, we call her Tonatzin, right? The earth mother, to this being that like, if you knew that there's something that is so sacred, so divine, so powerful, that is always looking out for you. But not only that, but like you are part of her. It, it, like life is different. Life is different. And it's different in a really positive way. Um, you know, I could see that in my life and I can see the, the huge shifts in clients who have had these experiences. Yeah, it's, um, so I'd like to talk a little, I just get so emotional about this specific talk because I do think we can only heal if we return to earth and remember what you just specifically said, that we are made of mother earth. We are same elements, same type of, you know, so to be held by her, by Tonatzin, um, but I, for example, like many people that listen to this podcast, uh, grew up in Mexico or even the United States under a religious rule of, you know, Christianity or whatever the rule was in your religion. And definitely, at least, and I can speak for myself, even though, you know, I'm 50% from Sonora, I'm sure I have Yaqui blood in me, I double check. My family was like, no, no, no. Nosotros somos Europa. We're European and we're not going to talk about it. And I always felt like this conflict growing up, like, but why? This is so much cooler. It makes so much more sense. I feel so much better outdoors than in this church building with these people talking about what the heck are they talking about? So this internal programming, because I think a lot of us might be beyond the beyond, like, I don't really believe that, but just in case, right? So this internal programming that I think is, you know, part of this colonialism. Um, if you could talk a little bit about how you work with your clients to release that and to understand that, because I mean, clearly, you know, if I'd had a dad that was taking me to ceremony at 16, 19 years old, it would have been great. And I'm trying to do that now with my kids. Um, but how would you maybe talk a little bit about that? Like, how does that process work? Or how can we soften into that truth without feeling like we're betraying our grandmothers, great-grandmothers who didn't know it any better? If that makes yeah. sense. Well, I think that the first step is realizing that um, 
ancestral trauma does exist, right? Like it, 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 it is real, meaning that your and mine ancestors have gone through some experiences that we are very much blessed not to completely go through them again, right? Um, but these experiences weren't just personal experiences in their life, but they were also an experience that they had because of the community that was around them, the society that was around them, the racism, the patriarchy, the colonialism, right? And so if you ignore that, if you ignore that as part of your own healing and also your own like getting to know yourself, then what ends up happening is that you do a lot of work. You know, um, I've been very fortunate that because of, you know, w- the work that I do, I get a lot of clients that are, 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 I would say, very seasoned on their spiritual or or personal development path. You know, they've done a lot of therapy. They've done a lot of workshops. They've done other plant ceremonies. Like they are people that are so committed and, um, you know, they want to now study under me and um, because, you know, they're like, I'm ready for, for, for something that helps me connect to something even deeper than what I, like what I've explored. And the reason that they do that is because what, they have been doing, even though it's improved their lives significantly, they're finding that there's a few things that just keep repeating, meaning like, like, you know, you, you use the word like conditioning or patterns, blocks, and no matter how much therapy they do, no matter, you know, like I went to this workshop and like, still here I am once again, dating that very, very um, toxic abusive person for example or here I am once again like my bank account is empty and I'm you know struggling with money or here I am etc etc and so we have seen like in ceremony and then it's been proven also now there's so much conversation about it in science that if your family was traumatized in some way right and I'm talking about like you're not just your parents, because in, in therapy, we usually look at parents, right? Like how have your parents uh, influenced you and, and what you have to heal? Um, but now we're looking at like grandparents and great, 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 great grandparents. And, you know, this is called epi- epigenetics, right? Like how like these traumas actually affect your genes, and right. so you, you could be walking in this world and be like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. And then all of a sudden that problem just keeps repeating. And what we have found is that usually the source of the problem isn't necessarily in you or your parents necessarily, but it's like generations back. And so when we talk about generations back, we have to consider what happened in history. Like you cannot deny that we especially as people of color have suffered through slavery, colonialism, patriarchy, right? Like these are deep wounds that we are still healing from. Um, and, you know, living in two worlds like you and I, you know, because we're, we're, we're either working in Mexico and then, you know, also the U S like right. we can see how in the U S you know, folks are, are, are actually becoming more aware about the effects of colonialism in their lives. But in Mexico, um, man, you know, it's like religion is so strong. And not only is it strong in that, you know, people are going to church and, and you know, like calling themselves Catholic, but they consider being Catholic as a part of their identity. And it's a part of their identity. They are they are not willing to release. Um, and so when you have this, it's very hard to actually do the work of decolonize, decolonization. Because why would you want to take a part of like something that you consider like this is my tradition, 
right? So you're not, it's very hard to question those things. I mean, I get a lot of, you know, I get in other interviews, people ask me like, oh, in Mexico, like, are you getting a lot of Mexicanos that are wanting to do this work? And, and I say like, yeah, you know, there's definitely a lot of Mexicanos that are becoming aware and, and getting back into their indigenous culture and traditions and roots. But in the majority here in Mexico, that's not it. Like that's not happening. Um, I just, you know, it was the Alborada here in San Miguel de Allende where we're based. And um, we just finished like a whole month of, you know, it's like Mexican independence. And and um, there's all these like street um, parades and like everything includes the church. Everything is so seeped in. Even like the indigenous dances, like they're carrying saints. And there's definitely a, a, a clear explanation for that because at least here in Mexico, but also Peru, you know, when we practiced our indigenous traditions, the only way that we could practice them, it, it would be like if it aligned with a, with a date of a certain saint. So that's how we were able to not get killed and survive. But, you know, after three generations, people forget these things. And so we think that, oh, you know, my grandparents, they were holding up this saint during this parade. But the truth was, it's like, no, actually, three generations back, they were putting like a statue of, you know, um, some indigenous deity behind the saint. And they were parading the statue around um, hidden. Under, undercover. <laughs> yeah, it, undercover. And you think, like, you forgot that it was undercover. Yeah. And now you, you're like, no, that's tradition. I'm going to hold this saint every year. And it's like, you totally forgot that this was actually a way of survival. And so now you are, um, you won't even question it, you know, because their history is erased, right? History is like written by the, the winners. Um, yeah, we can get deep into this. Um, but, but what I would have to say is number one is like, if you really want to know self, right. And in colonialism doesn't just affect people of color. It also affects our European brothers and sisters because trauma isn't just, um, felt by the, the victims of it. It's also felt by the perpetrators, right. And so it's really our job and our responsibility to heal from colonization as a community not just as like i said as as people of color but all of us like there's so many things that we don't even question in our lives that are operating under colonialism and we have like no clue about them um yeah i i can give you one example um so so one of the things that that I see here in Mexico is like people don't take care of their animals. They're, they're like dogs very well. Um, they're like, they'll put them on the rooftops and there's this attitude towards animals that like animals are, are like, they're here to just serve us, you know, like instead of getting an alarm for my house, I'm going to put my dog on the rooftop, never walk him, never take care of him. Right. Like, so I was really contemplating like, because I'm such a lover of all animals, you know, and animal rights. And I was just like, why? Like, why is it my people? You know, this happens in Peru too, right? Like, what is going on with my people that like, we're not taking care of animals and like so much abuse, you know, people like here, they get little puppies and then they like, we were driving on, on the highway and you see all these dogs on the highway and it's people just leave them there. Like after they get tired of them, eh. And so I was I was reading the other day that um, the colonial mindset is really about hierarchy and putting humans at the top of the food chain and animals at the bottom. And so when you have this colonialistic mindset, you're not going to see animals as our brothers and sisters, which earth based traditions and spirituality, we always see animals as like they are even our guides 
they are our brothers and sisters. You know, we call them like our our um, our relatives. They they hold so much spiritual power, and they're our allies. But if you are under colonialism, like you don't even know, and and the way that you treat animals is horrible, because yeah. you you have this mindset that they're here to serve you, and so if you look at that, you can see it. I mean, not just in Mexico, then then we can look at it in the rest of the world with the meat industry and how horrible animals are treated for food, massive food consumption, right? So these are just like ways that we don't even think about that we're colonized. Yeah, I think, you know, you're born into it and you don't even, unless you begin to study or begin to seek a different way of connecting to yourself. Um, but thank you for saying that. I appreciate it because, um, yeah, it, it's so, especially when you mentioned about how the, the Catholic is, well, this is just part of my culture. This is just part of who I am. And you feel like you're being a traitor. So it's great context to see that, no, you're not being a traitor. <laughs> you're actually remembering that there's something kind of off with this um, because a lot of things I, I see and I ask is, how is that working for you? You know, how is continuing down this line? How is it working for you? Everyone's still getting drunk. Everyone's still, you know, consuming, getting into debt. Everyone's still, you know, not taking care of their bodies or even like you mentioned, maybe their animals. So, so I appreciate you saying that. But yes, that's a whole other <laughs> rabbit trail. Let's bring, let's bring it back to ceremony and how um, maybe, maybe you can tell us about how you've seen that these, you know, these ceremonies with these plant allies bring you back into remembering more of your essence and maybe allow that, mm -hmm. um, that colonialism to begin to, to dissipate, you know, to heal ancestrally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, I want to make uh, something very clear, you know, it's um, no matter where you come from, right. No matter, no matter what tradition or religion you currently are a part of at some point, like if we look far enough, all of our ancestors, all of our ancestors had a divine connection to the earth, a right. spiritual connection to the earth. And so this is really what was lost. This is, I mean, and I, I'm being kind by saying lost, but really what was killed, what was oppressed, you know, through really vicious and uh, destructive um, violence towards um, indigenous people and, and women. Yeah. So part of our recovery you know, I'm actually in the process of, of, of writing like a recovery from the colon, the colonization. I mean, nice. colonialism, like how we can recover from it. Right. Like it's a 12 step program. Um, yeah. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm signing up. <laughs> <laughs> um, part of that is just like number one, like acknowledging that no matter where you come from, like, Wow however I look at it I, I I have a lineage I come from a lineage that is connected to the earth in a spiritual way in a divine way so that's the first one the second one is that you know these plant medicines these plant allies they're here for everyone right so this is this is not a conversation of like no 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 only indigenous people can take these medicines but this is a conversation that we need to honor that because of colonialism these medicines had to be hidden and the carriers the the wisdom keepers of these medicines had to stay hidden and the reason why we have them today is because many of them risk their lives. Um, the first thing when uh, a country, a town, a community was being colonized, the first thing that would um, that would would be targeted were any medicine.
and people that were practicing with these plants, right? And so yeah. it's important to acknowledge this when we are participating, when we want to connect to these medicines. Like, yes, they're here for everyone, but, you know, we cannot, we cannot be ignoring that these medicines were kept by indigenous people so we could enjoy them today. Right. And I think that that's that's problematic in what's happening today with the psychedelic ecosystem. I don't like to call it industry. Right. Um, Is that right now we have a lot of science that's coming out and there's a lot of interest, financial interest. And this is mainly led by white men. And so what we're seeing is retreat centers popping up all over Latin America, Costa Rica, Peru, that are being owned by white people. And um, maybe, I mean, I've even seen like they don't even hire indigenous people to serve the medicine. Maybe they do hire some indigenous people to serve the medicine. But we really have to look at this in a bigger way. Like, yes, thank you for hiring indigenous people, but actually, you know, what if you could collaborate with an indigenous person and support an indigenous person building their own retreat center, right? Like there's this, there's still a colonialistic mindset, even in the approach to these medicines. Like we have young people going to Peru, Ecuador, you know, uh, at the Amazons and doing ayahuasca and they get so excited about the, the journey they take in, and then all of a sudden they decide, no, I want to, I want to administer ayahuasca, and it's like, okay, great, but you know, it took me 25 years to be with this medicine to get to where I am. I mean, I, I, I really tell people like, don't go to medicine people who, who haven't taken the time, like, Done try to go to, yeah, try to go to medicine people who, who at least have had uh, a training. If they're not indigenous, have at least been trained and and have been practicing these medicines for at least 25% of their lifetime. You would not go to get heart surgery from somebody that took a two-week certification or even a year. I mean, I wouldn't. And, and, And these ceremonies, they are, they're spiritual surgery. Um, So we need to be really mindful and also really heartful in including indigenous people in the conversation about how this is going to go right now it's it's you know it's just a matter of time legalization with um with psilocybin is happening in oregon we're actually uh, our retreat center is having a um a group come as part of their experience to get trained um as psychedelic facilitators um, so, you know, cause they're going to be able to facilitate in Oregon. So things are yeah. rapidly changing and, um, we need to make sure that indigenous people are contributing to how this is going to go. Yeah. And, and, and also like, what is, you know, because you have listeners, right. From Mexico, like, what is it to be indigenous? Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's a really important question, like, because a lot of indigenous people in Mexico um, have, like, they don't even call themselves indigenous anymore. Like you were saying, you know, your family was like, no, no, somos Europa. And it's like, no, like, Gris, you have to be like, I am proud, you know, to be Yaki. Like, we need to, we need to start representing and 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 being able to trace like where but pero de donde era tu familia you know where was your mm-hmm. family from mm-hmm. and like claim it claim it because yeah. it is important to to give a voice we are still here you know these are ancient teachings but like indigenous people are still here we are still here this this is evolving with us right. and we need to be present for for it this is one of the most important things since the dot-com era this is the most the psych psychedelic movement i believe is one of the most important things since the internet 
Yes. Like the internet completely shifted the the future of humanity in such significant ways. Like the world would never be the same after the internet. And and it's exactly similar, you know, the the mushrooms that you know, like they are they cover the earth. They are a mycelium network, just like the internet, that connect us all. And so this is, you know, the internet was about um technology and connection. Right. Right? The 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 at least I can talk about, you know, my my ally, which is the mushrooms. Mushrooms are all about connection. connection. An inner technology. Ooh, that's so good. And it's so true. Um, okay, so one thing. Thank you for saying that about really looking into your indigenous roots. Mis Mexicanas. And um, two things, you know, noticing if you feel like, oh, no, yeah, I don't want to be indigenous. Where does that come from? Or if you really want to embrace it and speak it out loud like I do, yes. You know, where does that you know, where's that coming from as well? Like open heart, proud, and honoring, and more of an earth-based um, connection, which in the end is really all we have, I think, at least for me. And then, thank you for saying that. And the second part is, can you talk a little bit more about those um, who haven't really had an experience with, with psychedelics or with the mushroom, with your ally, my ally, how does that work? Like, what does that do in your brain? What does that do to your heart? What do you mean about all this connection? Somebody might be listening yeah. on here and knowing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because somebody just told me that the number one topic at dinner parties in the U.S. is microdosing with psilocybin. <laughs> so, este, oh. Well, there's a lot of science, right? So a lot of science is finally coming out about the the benefits of this beautiful medicine. Um, number one, it has the power to rewire your um, your neural pathways. And so um, when we talk about recovery, meaning like you know people who have suffered from addictions, and and really all of us, I, I think at this point, as as folks who have um, our descendants, right, of, 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 of other folks, of other, you know, grandparents, great-great-great-grandparents who have been colonized or enslaved or um, have, you know, just being a woman, right, yeah. in this, I mean, in this time, which I thought we were going to be way far ahead, but, you know, we've had some setbacks lately. Mm. Um, there are some addictions, Definitely. And, you know, what are addictions? Like physically, there are these neural pathways in your brain that just like, even if you want to go right, like these neural pathways are like, no, we're going to go left. Right. And so you, it goes almost beyond, like there's a point where the, the, these pathways, because it's been a habit, like for so long, um, like even when you want to shift them, it, it's hard. Right. So it's been proven that that this medicine, that mushrooms um, give you plasticity, brain plasticity, which allow you um, to shift your neural pathways. So if you can shift your neural pathways within a ceremony that gives you the opportunity to break long life habits. And so how powerful is that? Right. Like if you had a, a habit of of, you know consuming substances or if you've had a habit of getting into horrible relationships because of codependency um etc etc um it's a lot easier to be able to shift these habits that haven't been serving you through the use of i would say ceremonial or therapeutic use of this medicine right I don't advise, I do not advise you to do a big ceremony, like a big dose ceremony alone. Um, you know, if, if that's something that is of interest to, you know, the listeners, I would say start with a microdose and then come to Mexico to do a ceremony with me. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's one of the ways, like scientifically, 
that already there's been so many studies of how it has helped improve um, the life of many people, especially people with deep depression, clinical depression, even anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's also spiritual medicine. This is mm-hmm. what I call spirit medicine. It's medicine para tu espíritu. Right. And what that and what this means is that, you know, I I I specialize like one of the things that I decided to specialize because I was seeing it over and over and over in our ceremonies was ancestral, the healing of ancestral and generational trauma. Um, and so sometimes folks want to heal from their ancestral trauma, right? But it's like you don't you've lost like all the information about like who was who was your great grandfather especially if we're immigrants you know it's really hard sometimes to trace like i don't know i I mean maybe i i was from puebla but like via oaxaca you know (laughs) maybe um and we have no idea i mean i've been doing so much research on my family lineage but even then like se olvidan people forget you know, their history. And so because this is spirit medicine, you know, we believe that your soul, your soul is always with you. Your soul is with you. Yeah. You know, when you're in, in, in your mama's belly and, and your soul heard everything that your mom was talking about, was experiencing, right. Your soul knew what you were up to when you were three you know, your soul never left you. Like, that's a part of you, right? And so, and your soul is so ancient that your soul also knew your great-great-great-great-grandmother. Uh-huh. And so what we see in ceremony is, like, when people are like, yo no, yo no conozco a mi abuelita, nunca la conocí, dicen que era buena onda, who knows, right? Like, I don't know my grandmother. I have no recollection or there's no history about her. But then in ceremony, your grandmother shows up, you know, and she's like, hey, you, know, <laughs> you, you have not been able to buy a home, hmm. even though you've saved for the past 10 years and you keep, you know, car cash. Now I have to pay for the doctor's bill. And then the next year, you know, like your son gets sick. and Like, why can't I buy a home? Right. And so your grandma shows up and is like in ceremony and she's like, well, I want you to see, like, let me show you, right? Because this medicine allows you to see it's, I, 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 I call it, it's a vision enhancement. Mm-hmm. And she, and, and, you know, your grandmother shows up and she's like, I want you to see that, you know, our land was taken away from us. And and so we had nothing, and then we had to immigrate. And so you need to heal that. You need to heal the wound of loss of home. And once you heal that, let's heal it now. And so we're there, you know, doing our work. And I'm like, ah, yeah, vamos, okay, let's heal the loss <laughs> of home. True. You know, let's heal that wound. What does that mean? You know, let's make peace with with what happened. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, and you do that work in ceremony because it's spirit medicine and allows you to, you know, like see and hear your, your grandmother who you've never met and, and allows you to like understand that there was something that happened that like deeply affected you. And then you leave the ceremony and, and you know, you email me or call me you're like, Oh my God, you know, it's true. I like did more research and yes, we lost our land. And and then, you know, a year later, you're able to buy a house with no problem. You know, and so this is this lives in the realm of magic, right? Like, it, uh-huh. it, is this something that like, you know, um, can we test this? Can we can we do uh, like a, a psychological research paper about it? Can we study it at Harvard, you know, School of Divinity or or, you know, of, of School of you know, uh, psychological studies. No, it's like that, that lives in the realm of spirit. So that's why I say like, yes, we can, we can talk about the science, but we also need to talk about that. This is Medicina del Espíritu. Yeah. I have a friend who lives in San Jose del Pacifico. He is from San Jose del Pacifico. 
and we were over there visiting I don't know about I think about a year ago a few months ago and I and I told him so tell me a little bit about because him and his wife serve they do ceremonies and I mean he was you know mushroom ceremony since he was 10 years old and his father it was they're just and he tells me he told me something he's like you know over there in those Uniteds they talk a lot about you know the 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 science behind it and the psychedelic it's more psychedelic is what he said which is great he's like but it's very mystical medicine because it takes you into other dimensions and it's very deeply spiritual um and that's exactly what you just said. I mean, we, I think I think it's so important to bring in the magic. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's not going to be tested. No? You either play or you don't. You're lost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Anita, yeah. You know. Um, yeah. So where can we? I know you're having this retreat at the end of the year. Can you tell mm-hmm. us a little about that? See if some of us. Want to go yeah. sign up? How do we do that? Yeah, wonderful. Um, so we have a retreat starting uh, December 27th to January 2nd. It's our New Year's retreat. Um, but if you can't make it to that, we do have retreats throughout the year. And you can find us at Magical Medicine Journeys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's a process to come and journey with us because we really take this um, with great honor, and, and it's a serious thing. So you have to apply to come and journey with us. We want to make sure that this is good medicine for you and that, you know, this is going to be really powerful for you. So, yeah, just um, come to our website, and I'm sure you're going to post it somewhere, hopefully. Yes, all of they it. can access it. <laughs> website, Instagram, webpage, all of it. Yeah. yeah, but imagine starting the new year, right? Like you're in ceremony, during the new year. How powerful right. is that? Yeah. I know. Yeah. Can people come, for example, because I'm thinking, okay, I'm bringing the kids. Can people come with their kids, with your family? I mean, kids, yeah. my kids are 20 and 19. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So as long as you're, um, is it 21 and over? Oh, okay. Um, you can bring your children. We've had a lot of families come. We have a lot of couples come. We actually give priority to families and couples because we know that this experience, when you bring somebody that's actually part of your life and also yeah. very much part of like your wounding, um, right. when you <laughs> heal together, it's just so incredible what, what is available for you. So yes, people can come. We've had um, you know, moms come at first by themselves and, and just like see the power of this. And then, then they came back, right, with their daughter. Um, we've had like moms bring their, um, their sons. Um, yeah, we, we, we really love having families. Um, in terms of bringing smaller children, just because it's a legal retreat at this moment, we, we can't have that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, we'll see how ev- everything starts evolving. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like how it's kind of come back to how you started with your family, right? And your God, your dad, your godfather. Is it, it's, um, it's like this revolution, like you said, we're normalizing coming back to ancient wisdom, earth-based traditions that connect us and that, in my opinion, are going to heal the world, or at least get on its, you know, get on our way to heal. Um, Thank you so much um, for joining us. And everybody who's on here who's bilingual or knows people that speak Spanish, hopefully Socha will be back and we'll run this again, or similar, because it always flows different in Espanol. Yeah, and I just, I want to just, you know, as we're ending, I just want to remind everyone that um, we have so much information. We're, we're at a time where there's so much information, right? Like, um, you can, you can go and, and there's, there'll be like a thousand, a million different podcasts that you can listen to. The internet, you have access to everything. So information is not necessarily like what's going to heal you. If you're searching for healing, what's going to heal you is actually your connection, your connection to your spirit, your connection to the earth. 
And so I'm really grateful that you're putting out this content. Mm. And so please support Greece and mm. and allowing her to spread this this you know this information that is actually about connection because that's what we're all doing here, right? Like I'm not just talking in this podcast because here you go more information for you. Mm. I'm saying like here you go. Let's remember to connect once again. Right. And you know the connection um I always talk about how this connection, people might say like, what do you mean by connection? Well, connection to the body, right? Connection to the body, yes, to the earth, barefoot on the sand, barefoot on the grass, outside in nature, but to the body is through breath, through movement, yoga, dance, um, whatever you want to do it. But I also believe, and tell me if I'm right, um, that the mushrooms connect you to the body, right? It's through the body that you get this information, that you release these old memories that are stuck in there, that you have these sensations mm-hmm. of, you know, ecstasy, sorrow, grief. Uh, and so, I don't know, that, that's just the way I, that's one of the things that came up when you mentioned that, like connecting into our conduit of life that we have right now, which is the body. Yeah, well, the the most important thing to reconsider, I would say, is that um, a lot of spiritual traditions, um, you know, we just, what what happens is that, for example, with Eastern traditions that are traditions of meditation, and and they're all about, like, you know, you need to, um, like, be beyond the body, right? Yeah. Like, I don't believe that that's what these... You transcend the body. I don't believe that these traditions only spoke about that. You know, I've been to India and I, and and I realized when I was there that a lot of the information that we get about these traditions is kind of like handpicked. Like we've almost mm-hmm. said, we're gonna learn this part of it, you mm-hmm. know, and, and and this part of it tells you to transcend the body. And so, earth-based traditions are like, you know remembering that we are here and this body is sacred and so the spirit lives here in the body and so we must we must honor the body just as much as we honor the spirit that's right yes Mm -hmm. thank you Mm -hmm. thank you for saying that well everybody thank you for listening i'm going to put all of such as information on there about her retreats and you can follow her on instagram i'll tag it all up thank you for listening for sharing this podcast and um, for your time here we'll see you guys next time on tales of recovery once again this episode is sponsored by Aquavi, which is alkaline ph super good nutritious water that is now available here in san diego and i will also put the link on here uh, so that you guys can order your water deliver it to your home in all areas in san diego and you can go on their webpage and check them out pretty soon they'll also be having the agua con clorofila which is another great thing to honor your body like so and i said take care of your body and take care of yourselves we'll see you guys next time